Hello, welcome to the Building Through Him podcast. I'm Mary Jo Parrish, and this episode comes from our conference. This is me speaking, giving the teaching, I want to hold your hand. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon his man-made lowliness. Behold, from now on, all ages will call me blessed. The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. His mercy is from age to age to those who fear Him. He has shown might with His arm, dispersed the arrogant of mind and heart. He has thrown down the rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the lowly. The hungry He has filled with good things, the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped Israel, His servant remembering his mercy according to his promise to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So in Kingdom Builders, we always talk about our foundation. We pray for a minimum of 10 minutes a day because we connect to the divine. We allow the divine to enter into us. We make sure that's a priority for a minimum of 10 minutes. I had a, one of my spiritual advisors was like, hey, you should actually raise that to 15. And I'm like, actually, most of the world isn't praying. They're not, okay? We need to start with 10. That's a starting point. Everyone can say, well, I could do 10 minutes. 15, you're like, ah, yeah, I don't know about that. You know, so we start with 10. But obviously, when you start to drink in the Lord and you taste the divine, you want to increase it as you desire or as he desires. We go to church on Sunday because that's a divine commandment. We honor that. And we're staying in a state of grace. So if there's any serious sin that's keeping you from the fullness of grace in your life, find a way to get rid of that. Like, Go to confession, seek a self-help group. Start asking people to pray for you. Like seek it out so that the Lord can bring forth all the graces he wants to bring forth. And then we build ourselves, build others, and build, build the church. But we never do any of that until we first have our foundation strong. We also have a crown jewel strategy. My background is actually in business. And so this is actually a business principle to plan, do, reflect, adjust. And if we're the crown jewels of God's creation, which we are, we're the women, we're the crown jewel, why wouldn't we apply those same principles to our life? The difference is we invite the Holy Spirit in. So when we go to plan, we invite the Holy Spirit in on our planning, and then we do the plan. And then we we reflect on that week, like, what brought me more peace and joy? What brought me less peace and joy? And then we adjust it, and we're constantly asking for the Holy Spirit's guidance, so we're living in the will of God. And do we not want that? Do you want to live in the will of God? Yes, of course you do, because he's going to bring forth the most peace and joy in our life. So today we're talking about, I want to hold your hand, okay? I did have one of my younger girls read this over for edits, and she said, that's not correct English. And I was like, well, it's based off a song. She did not know that song. (laughs) And now I know I'm officially old. So we have that broken up into three sections, the balance beam, childlike Holy Spirit, and the Father's love. So the balance beam, which is why there's a balance beam. Were you wondering, what's that balance beam doing up there? This is why, okay? See, we're all about the props. We bring in a balance beam. So I was angrily putting away laundry. Has anyone ever done this before? Angrily doing a task at home? Yes. I was actually mad at myself. I had fallen into sin the previous day. It was a new sin. It was one, wasn't one that I had done before. And I was like, what is even happening? I was so mad at myself. I was so mad of my weakness. I could totally see how Satan like laid out that total 
temptation and how I just fell so easily. And I was so mad. I could feel that Jesus was offering me mercy and I like didn't want to accept it because I was so mad at myself. And in the moment of trying to stuff towels angrily into a closet, I had this image in my mind. So people are like, oh, you had a vision. No, because a vision is like out here. It was in here. I had an image in my mind of this little girl walking this balance beam that like toe to heel, toe to heel. I'm not going to get on that balance beam because I have big high shoes on. And she was walking there and it was difficult, but it wasn't impossible for her. She had been doing it well. She knew that her heavenly father waited at the end of that beam and she felt comfortable walking in that beam. But the reason she felt the most comfortable is because she was walking with Jesus. The walking was difficult, but not impossible because he was holding her hand the whole time. And then something happened. My steps have been steadfast in your path. My feet have not faltered. I call upon you for you will answer me. So I could feel Jesus delighting in her. He smiled at her as she was walking. I could see her heavenly father and how his hands were outstretched. And it was this beautiful thing. And then the Lord stood by me and gave me strength. The Lord will rescue me from every evil threat and will bring me safe to his heavenly kingdom. And then she started to totter. And in that moment of tottering, when she needed to hold on the hand of Jesus the most, she pulled it away like she had been burned. And I couldn't understand. But she, would, she didn't want to hold his hand. Why not? Jesus looked at her, and he was not scared. He was not disappointed. He was not surprised. He tried to hold on to her tighter, but she still pulled her hand away. She had walked so easily before. She'd even helped other people walk. She was so mad at herself. She's berating herself. She would not hold that hand of Jesus. Even she was like about to fall off. And in my mind, I was like, hold her hand. Hold his hand, little girl. What are you doing? She, he doesn't care about that sin. He cares about you. Hold on. And she looked at me like she had ha- heard my sassy thought. And I was like, oh, I know those eyes. Those are my children's eyes. No, those are my eyes. That little girl was me. And I stopped putting away the laundry and like just kneeled down in shock, not to pray, but actually just in shock because I didn't understand the level of love until that moment. Because it's not about whether we deserve God's forgiveness. It's not about that. That price was paid in the blood of Jesus. Amen? It was already paid. It's about taking his hand in the moment we're tottering. It's not being afraid to hold on to him which keeps us balanced when we are struggling or even when we've fallen off the beam, even when we're laying flat on the ground taking his hand. The Lord lifts up all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed. Because if we understood that level of love, like really understood it, we would realize that he actually desires to hold on to us even more than when we're falling and on the ground than if we were walking steadily. He wants to hold on to our hand even tighter than. That's how much he loves us. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. The Lord is good to all and compassionate towards all of his works. So why do we want to pull away? What's that come from? We know who it comes from, right? That's the enemy. 
So I just like to ask, like, when, when I'm getting attacked from an enemy, why? Take a step back. Why does he not want you to hold the hand of Jesus? Because he knows if you're not holding the hand of Jesus, he's more likely to make you fall. He's more likely to keep you held down, right? He doesn't want you to hold the hand of Jesus. So he's trying to convince us not to hold that hand because he knows he has greater power. He doesn't want you to accept God's love and mercy because he knows he has greater power. To be childlike is to not to become discouraged at one's faults. So what's that come from? What's that spirit? I always like to identify the spirit. What is that? I think a lot of times it's a spirit of pride in our sin. What we're actually saying is when we pull away our hand, my sin is bigger than your death on the cross, which is true or not true? Not true, right? His death was paid. He was worthy. God is worthy. Jesus is worthy. His blood was poured out. Any sin you can think of, his mercy covers it. If we're sorry, his mercy covers it. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. That's why he came. He came for us to seek and save what was lost. And so, you know, kingdoms were all about being raw and real. We don't pretend like we don't have struggles or we don't have sins. We recognize what they are, right? Sometimes we like to distract ourselves from it with our, I'm holding a pretend phone. We like to distract ourselves from actually looking in. Like say, okay, what are my struggles? Be real with yourself. Be raw with yourself. What are my struggles? And we don't obsess about it. We don't examine it too harshly. We just bring it to Jesus. Here you go, Jesus. Tell me what to do. What do I need to do? Take it and bring it to Jesus. And you let him be big and you get to stay little. I understand very well how Peter fell. He was relying on his own strength. That's Therese. Jesus is inviting us to love our littleness, to stay small so he can be big. He's inviting us to love all the little parts of ourselves, even the ones that don't know what to do, even the ones that mess up. Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I give you praise, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. So why childlike? So this whole thing of Therese, one of the reasons she's a doctor of the church is because she talked so much about being little, being childlike. So why that? So we know in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus talks about being little. He talks about being little. And when the apostles ask him, so who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You know, that's like a kind of a prideful question. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't get mad. He just answers this. Unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay? That's why it's important to be childlike. He literally says, you're not going to enter unless you become childlike. Who's ready to be childlike? Yes? Amen. Right? Nothing's going to keep me from it. Like, I'll take that. Absolutely. So Jesus is inviting us. Be little. Be childlike. Trust me. He's serenading us. He's saying, I want to hold your hand. Let me hear you. I want to hold your hand. One more time. I want to hold your hand. I want to hold your hand. The beauty of our childlike self, that's reserved within each one of us. So we know that there's nothing that can remove it. So if you're like, oh, childlike is within me, it is. It's within you. We know that, well, see, so here are all these little babies, which I love. 
the sound of the babies. Awesome. But a child is the fruit of love between the father and the mother, right? The Holy Spirit is a fruit of love between the father and the son. Child, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's childlike. What? Yep. So when we welcome that Holy Spirit, and he comes when he is, I think it's Father or St. Bonaventure, when he is welcomed, when he is loved, and when he's expected. Welcome, love, expected. When we invite the Holy Spirit in, he's welcomed, he's loved, and he's expected. His Holy Spirit, his Spirit rests within us, and we are able to embrace that childlike nature. So the childlike Holy Spirit. The first time I heard this ever proclaimed was uh, Father Bonaventure. Boniface, I would flip Boniface and Bonaventure. Boniface Hicks, an amazing speaker. Has anyone ever heard him speak or read any of his books? Yes, a few of us. He's, he's amazing. And he talked about this whole childlike Holy Spirit, and I had never heard anyone up to that point discuss it. Not, not anyone. So how is the Holy Spirit like a child? What does it even mean to be childlike? Children dream big, right? What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a ballerina princess. I want to be an astronaut. They are not afraid to dream big. My son Aiden came home from first grade and he was very upset. And I was like, what's wrong, buddy? He's like, everybody had to say what they wanted to be when they grew up. And I said, I want to be a pizza delivery driver. <laughs> and everybody laughed at me. So secretly, I'm horrified. I'm like embarrassed. I'm like, oh, so, but you can't, you can't say that, right? It's just, well, parenting is all about pretending everything is fine when it's totally not. <laughs> oh, so what part of being a pizza delivery driver appeals to you the most? And he looks at me like I'm a complete moron. Changing into my Spider-Man outfit and saving people, of course. <laughs> okay, but even when it comes to that, like oftentimes the big dreams that we have are hidden from the world. Not everybody's up here on stage and the Lord loves that. He loves the littleness. He loves when our big dreams include secret things behind the scenes. That's Holy Spirit childlike. God can see that superhero in every one of us. Other people might just see a Pizza Hut delivery driver. God knows what you're doing. He knows you're changing into your Spider-Man outfit and saving people, right? He knows that. Your plans, your projects, your dreams have to always be bigger than you. So God has room to operate. Nothing is too much for the Lord to do. The, one of the Coliseum workers in the red jacket, he was like, walk around, he comes up to me. And I'm like, in like leggings and a gross ponytail, sweaty and oily. Anyway, he was like, so this Kingdom Builders thing, is this, a, is this started in Fort Wayne? I was like, Yeah. Started in Fort Wayne. He's like, it's pretty amazing. It's like, yeah, all due to the Holy Spirit. It's all him. Because God has bigger plans. He has bigger plans. So one another thing about kids is no matter how angry they get, they forgive easily. You can be Superman, and five minutes later, they're snuggling again, okay? They have the ability to trust and surrender. St. Jerome says, a little child does not persist in wrath. And so how is God calling us to embrace our Holy Spirit childlike nature? to be forgiven, and to forgive easily. Kids go to places they're not supposed to go. They do, right? They do not care. My son Joseph went over to my sister Sherry's house, who has a barn, and both him and his little brother, Sebastian, both forgot their shoes. 
this is just a common thing in my house because we all have ADD. Um, it's genetic. Went to a neurology appointment. I was trying to get one of my kids diagnosed, and, and he was like jumping all over the, the neurologist room, and and I was like, and he's and she was like, hey mom, genetic ADD is genetic, and I was like, mm-hmm. and she said it again, and then she said it the third time, and then I was like, oh, <laughs> it was a game changer in my life. I was like, that's why I keep forgetting my kids everywhere. <laughs> That's why I get to so many car accidents. Anyway, kids go to places they're not supposed to go, right? They don't care what you say. So I bring my son Joseph and Sebastian over to my sister Sherry's house with the big barn. And I gave him one rule. You cannot go in the barn because they don't have shoes. And he was like, okay. And I was like, what is the one rule? We cannot go in a barn. I was like, all right. So I come back and my sister's like, so I found him in the barn. I was like, Joseph, you had one rule. And he was like, mom. I needed to get in that barn because there was wolf bones. Wolf bones! And I needed to clean them so we could have a bone store and make money. <laughs> yes. Okay. Say so go to the places they're not supposed to go. That's super exhausting. But there's an advantage to that. This was probably five or six years ago. There was this lady sitting in front of me in mass, her and her husband, and she was sitting down the whole time. She had her legs crossed and she had like a flip-flop on that she was like doing like this the whole time. And, you know, my ADD is like hyper-focusing on that flip-flop. And she also has this big cup of coffee, ceramic cup of coffee. It's like, it's huge. Not like with a lid or anything. Not like a to-go cup, a full ceramic. I'm like, how did you drive with that here? Anyway, she's sitting back in her pew, like drinking that coffee. And all I could think was how disrespectful it was to our Lord. I stood in a place of judgment rather than love. And I always think that what if I would have loved her? And welcomed her rather than just judged her? What if the Lord had put me right in that place to see that woman so I could go to an uncomfortable childlike place and welcome her into his kingdom? What if that was the reason? I still think about her and I never saw her again because I was not willing to be childlike enough and to welcome her. If you judge people, you have no time to love them. So how is the Holy Spirit calling you to embrace your childlike nature, to go to the uncomfortable places, to love those that he designed and died to save? Another thing about the Holy Spirit, he loves to play. He loves to be silly. He laughs easily. He cries easily. I cry very easily. It's actually one of the things I thought was my weakness. If I'm moved, I cry. If I'm happy, I cry. If I'm upset, I cry. Like, and someone's told me, like, tears are holy water. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great, except it's ridiculous, Mary Jo. Like, control yourself. I can't. I, like, try to control myself. So when Father Boniface said that the Holy Spirit cries easily, I was like, oh, my gosh. What I viewed as a weakness was actually a gift of the Holy Spirit. I still feel a little embarrassed. I'm not going to lie because I cry so much, but it was actually a gift. So what we believe are imperfections or weaknesses, like, mm, that's childish. Actually, maybe gifts of the Holy Spirit. It is easier to find laborers to work than children to play. And I desire children. Do you have childlike qualities that you believed were a weakness and they were actually a gift? What are some other qualities of the Holy Spirit or children? Children or the Holy Spirit love to give gifts. Holy Spirit especially likes to hide things for you to find. 
sometimes we call these like signal graces, not because he's being tricky or mean, but he likes you to uncover him so he can experience your joy with you. Like, oh, yes, it's so good. It's so good. And you're like, oh my gosh, that was totally his Holy Spirit moment. Anyone ever had a Holy Spirit moment? All your hands better be up. Okay, yes, right? So do you love to give others gifts? Perhaps to hide them so another will experience joy? That's a quality of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit loves to dance, cuddle, sing. Anyone here love to dance, cuddle, or sing? That's the Holy Spirit quality. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, sing joyfully before the King, the Lord. Holy Spirit loves to tell stories. Holy Spirit loves to hear stories. The Holy Spirit is creative. He is always doing new things. Anyone here like to do any of those things? That's a Holy Spirit quality. Behold, I make all things new. The Holy Spirit likes to move slow sometimes. He's going to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. It's like trying to get your kids out the door for school and no one can find their shoes ever. Who kisses my kids? Have you seen my shoes? I don't wear your shoes. So no, I've not seen your shoes. There's a basket that's just for you. If you just put the shoes in the basket, it's like a soul mystery. But trying to get them out the door, they're going to do what they want to do when they want to do it. Okay, the Holy Spirit's the same. He will not be rushed. He takes his time. Is there a place within you that's longing to slow down? Our Heavenly Father is calling us to embrace, well, maybe, my clicker will work. Dreaming big, forgiving, sharing, dancing, crying, laughing, singing, giving, cuddling, loving, receiving, being silly, and slowing down. He wants us to embrace all the fullness of joy in our life, not to distract ourselves from it, not to numb ourselves from it, to feel it, to be fully alive. Amen? He wants that for us. And in part of embracing that childlike spirit is surrendering to Him, is trusting Him, is trusting in our Heavenly Father. The power of a Father's love. So how many here have watched The Waltons? Anyone? I know I'm aging myself totally. Thank you. Even if you were pretending. I appreciate that. Okay. The dad is John Walton Sr., right? How many of you have ever watched the show This Is Us? Okay. Who's that dad? What's his name? Do you remember? Jack. Jack Pearson, right? There's also this cartoon called Bluey. Anyone remember Bluey? If you haven't, you will. My husband watches this even when the kids are asleep. I'm like, Bill. It's like, this is a really good episode. I'm like, you've already seen the episode and you're watching it again. <laughs> but it is actually really good. There's a dad. It's called Bandit. Okay. There's an obsession with these shows. My personal favorite, what I grew up on, Little House on the Prairie. Any Little House on the Prairie fans? Yeah. So good. So... One thing that all these shows have in common is a deeply loving, involved, sacrificial father. Deeply loving, involved. In fact, in Little House on the Prairie, I believe it's the first episode where Pa, Charles Engel, 
makes a deal with a grain, grain dealer, you know, and he bets his farm. Like, he needs that grain to plant a crop. And he's like, well, I'll work for you in exchange for you giving me the grain, blah, blah, blah. Well, they're out on a picnic, and Paul goes up to retrieve a kite, and he falls down, and he hurts his back. Well, then he can't do the work for the grain dealer, and the grain dealer is planning on stealing his farm. So you see Paul, like, struggling, crying to move one sack of grain, and little half-pint Laura's, like, trying to help, and she's, like, teeny tiny. She can't do anything, and they're pretty sure they're going to lose the farm. I'm weeping at this point as a child, watching it again as an adult, weeping again. Feeling weak, but knowing it's the whole gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> she goes and gets the whole men of the, of the town to come help Pa, you know, move all this grain, and they were able to save the farm. And that show moved me back then, that sacrificial love, and it moved me again as an adult, even though I knew it was going to happen. So why? Why are we naturally attracted to those loving, sacrificial fathers even the imaginary ones, okay? So we're talking about like imaginary. This is us. It's not real, okay? Bandit is a cartoon, okay? They're not real. So we're, our souls are attracted to it. Why? Why is that? It's what we were created for and our souls know it and they long for it. They long for that sacrificial father. They long for it. One cannot love without suffering, or suffer without loving. And we know that earthly fathers should reflect their heavenly fathers. And we are longing sometimes without actually knowing it for relationship, for intimacy with our heavenly father. So my, my daughter Karina married Josh about three and a half years ago. So we've been praying for a baby. One came through a different means. Um, so... They are fostering a little girl, and you will notice that the pictures I have of this little girl do not have their face, her face, because you're not actually allowed to see. I can't put her face or say her name, so that's why. Um, but Karina straps her to herself all day. It's supposed to help with attachment and whatever. And it doesn't matter the fact that Karina's with her all day because it's all about Josh. <laughs> all about Josh. He is a big, huge, like, like, it's not like you think, oh, he's this small thing. No, he's like, strong and protective. And well, her first word, she's been with him for five weeks, but her first word with us was Ash. Ash? Ash? And she would bang on the door if you, Ash? Ash? Would say it over and over. And I'm like, that's kind of a, like, I've raised a lot of kids and that's the O-S-H. It's not like a common thing. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then she moved into, so it was with, just with them last weekend. And now she says, no one, they do not call themselves dad and mom, just to create less confusion. She says, da? Da? And so Karina will say, Dad's at home or dad's at work. Da, da. No one says dad. Her soul knows it. At one and a half years old, her soul knows it. I was holding her in the driveway and Josh pulled in. Makes me cry every time. He pulls in the driveway. He's been at work. And her little baby chest. I mean, she's known him at this point in time was like three and a half weeks. And her little baby chest is going in and out super fast. She's like, dad. That, like has her arms out as he's pulling in the driveway. She wants dad. And that's not even her biological father. She'd known him for three and a half weeks and her little chest pumping in and out. Like her little baby self knows she was created for a good, holy, and protective father. Of course we are too. Of course we are too. Some of us didn't get that when we were growing up. We didn't. We didn't have that. So we call this a father wound. 
And it's super, super common, okay? So if you have this, don't feel like, oh, it's, not, it's only me. No, it's not only you. It's a bunch of people. I pray with a lot of people. Father wounds are incredibly common. And it can make us feel hesitant to be childlike. It can make us feel hesitant to seek or receive love from our heavenly father because our earthly father was not a good example of that. It's the invitation to trust can feel scary because being a child the first time around didn't go so well. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. If our dad was harsh or distant or angry, we can believe that our heavenly father is harsh or distant or angry. And that's just not true. We cannot allow our earthly father wound to keep us from the goodness of our heavenly father. He is the perfect father that we have been longing for our entire lives. So who here willed themselves into existence? Anyone? Okay, good. I thought you were going to raise your hand and you just scratched your head. I was like, okay, that's good. So I was not expecting anyone to raise their hand. Okay. The God of the universe designed each one of us. It's not us who chose him. It's he who chose us, right? He chose us. We are the delight of the Heavenly Father. He's totally in love with us. Every detail of who you are, He designed that. He designed that. You love all things that are and loathe nothing that you have made. For what you hated, you would not have fashioned. You spare all things because they are yours, O Lord, O lover of souls. For your imperishable spirit is in all things. So Jesus is calling us to embrace our littleness, no matter the difficulty, So when you know your littleness and God's omnipotence, it doesn't matter what's happening because you remember the creator of the universe designed me. He's in control of this. Amen. Amen. We can just walk in that. We just walk in that. We hold on to our peace, right? We claim his power because no matter what is happening, no matter if our home in Florida was destroyed by a hurricane or whatever it was, like no matter what's happening in it, We remember our littleness and his omnipotence. And no matter what happens in our life, we know everything is grace. Everything is grace. Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. Whoever lacks God, whoever God lacks, whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone suffices. And so when you're struggling on that beam, walk in that beam, toe to heel, toe to heel, remember that Jesus knows that beam, right? He was nailed to that beam. He bled on that beam. He died on that beam. That beam is our bridge to heaven. That beam is a gift. It's how we get there, right? But we don't go alone, right? We never go alone. He always has his hand outstretched, always has his hand outstretched. And he's welcoming us always to hold his hand. He gives his Holy Spirit to us within, that childlike Holy Spirit. And the Heavenly Father is just waiting there for outstretched arms. And he's always singing this to us. Let's sing this together. I want to hold your hand. I want to hold your hand. May today there be peace within you. May you trust God that you are exactly where you are meant to be. May you be content knowing that you are a child of God. Let this presence settle into your bones 
and allow your soul the freedom to sing, dance, praise, and love. It is there for each and every one of us. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.